Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we have a request. If you are genuinely enjoying the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app because it really helps us to grow the podcast and ensures that we bring you great marketing tips and advice each week. Now, today I'm joined by Simo Harva, Senior Data Advocate at Reactor, Google Developer Expert for Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics, and the Digital Analytics Blogger at simoahava.com. Simo, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And that's a, that's a nice introduction. Thank you very much. I do pride myself on my introductions. Yes, it's very good. And well you're rehearsed. from the uh, exotic land of Finland, aren't you? Indeed, indeed, up north. Fantastic. And you have a, a pint of Finnish um, vodka next to you for lubrication, presumably. <laughs> well, well, it's it's eleven thirty a.m., so that would be that would be okay, actually, in Finland. <laughs> but, but right now, I'm just going with water. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, okay, so let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of how you ended up where you are now. Um, yes, so I, I currently work as a developer at Reactor. Um, it's been a colorful journey getting here, but I think the highlights of my career in terms of digital marketing and digital analytics start from the year 1997 when I when I created my first website and um, got interested in how how search engines react to it. Yeah, and um, and and the website got some traction because it was a it was a fan site to a popular rap artist of the time, Notorious B.I.G. and um, it caused some traction and, and I saw it climbing the ranks in search engines, which then got me interested in what why are people so interested in the site? So that got me into analytics and I've pretty much been doing analytics and, and web development ever since, um, professionally only in the last four or five years, but before that as a, as a hobby and uh, as, a, as a kind of a freelance side project. So so these days I, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of in the between of being a, being a developer um, and an analyst kind of surfing between the two roles in my current current job and then i'm also also like i like you introduced me i'm I'm also a blogger and i also represent google in some capacity with with their tools google tag manager and google analytics so um and i've doubled in in academic studies as well in the in in the meantime and um lots of different things i think it's it's been a colorful journey but i think that's almost necessary when you want to work in a multidisciplinary yes area like digital marketing any any kind of out of the box influence and experience you have will will help you become a better better professional in a way. 
Now, we're going to be talking about um, some common Google Tag Manager pitfalls that can have some pretty bad effects on your sort of results. Why don't we start off? Let's just remind our our listeners exactly what uh, Google Tag Manager is. Sure. So uh, Google Tag Manager, in a nutshell, is uh, it's a tag management solution by Google. And tag management in today's world basically means that we have... As marketers and analysts, we have all these um, pieces of code that we need to deploy on the side, like Google Analytics tracking code, AdWords conversion pixels, Facebook pixels, LinkedIn Insights pixels, um, uh, A-B testing scripts. So we have all these little scripts that we need to implement on the site. And every now and then we are kind of forced to wait an unfair amount of time for these to be deployed. Maybe because the IT in our company is a bit rigid in their processes, or maybe they don't understand our needs. So tag management solutions have entered the fray to fix this problem by giving us just one script that we install on the website. Mm. And through this script, we we kind of build a door to the website code where we can deploy all these kinds of pixels and tag codes without having to release a new version of the website. So it's a, it's a dynamic engine of, of populating the website with JavaScript and snippets. And um, in that way, it's, it's, it's a powerful tool because it really lets us be very agile in our marketing efforts and lets us deploy code on the website really fast. Um, and as I hope, I think we'll learn today also, it's, it's the reason why it's also a very dangerous tool because it gives us a, a doorway to implement almost any kind of code on the website. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about that because um, I was just wondering why it is a, a, a fairly popular and it's quite a topical tool as well. I was just wondering from a sort of 50,000 foot view, why is that? Um, you, the popularity is, is, I think it's surprising because, and I think it took everybody by surprise by how anguish, like what, what the anguish of a typical marketer is in an organization. Because they need they need this code, they need these pixels, they need to work on analytics, they need conversion pixels, they need to be able to measure their efforts. And then they are swamped and floored by an organization that doesn't support their needs in prioritizing their their tasks in the developer backlog, for example. Mm. So so they, they need a tool that really helps them be agile. And this is a this is a fairly good premise to work with. So it's it's I think a Google Tech Manager, for example, is does a very good job of giving us the tools to work on the website without having to release new versions of the site. Um, but the problem is, and this I think is the um, main problem of GTM and has always been, is that it promises us this kind of a fast lane to make changes on the website, but at the same time. The underlying assumption is that you don't have to go through IT to get this stuff done. So you're basically circumventing the IT or the development process. And this is the underlying premise of a tag management solution, whether we like it or not. And the problem is that a tool that promises you increased agility and, and reduced friction in an organization mm. actually by 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 subliminally basically promising to circumvent IT, you are actually creating friction in the organization. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a healthy way to approach any problem by thinking, how can I go behind somebody else's back? Yes. I think, that's, I think that, that tells you a story of an organization that is in pain or an organization that is somewhat broken. You, don't, you, don't, you can't fix a broken organization with a tool alone, but the tool can give you a starting point with which to open a new line of communication with IT and start fixing those problems of rigidity in the organization. So I think that's the, I think, and for many, GTM has been ridiculously popular. It's, it's, it has a very high adoption rate at the moment. And I think many people have fallen in love with it because it gives them this kind of a way to get things done. 
But I'm a bit worried that for most, they kind of stop there. Once they start getting things done, they stop there and, and, and forget the fact that they might actually want to work on the organization as well and try to make it so that IT and, and developers are more um, involved in the process. Yeah, and I guess this is probably the, the, the first big pitfall, isn't it? Sort of ignoring uh, sort of the yes. IT or sort of development process in your organization. Yes, yes. It's, it's, and it's, it's a devious pitfall because it doesn't necessarily manifest in any, in any actual way in an organization. There's, there's no gauge for knowing um, or a metric for how, how broken an organization is. But you'll know it. A typical thing that can happen is that you deploy some code through Google Tag Manager that you haven't tested thoroughly, yeah. and the code breaks some necessary workflow on the site. Some, you know, some link stops working, or, or some form stops submitting, or something like this. When when this happens, and and news about this reaches uh, the business level of the organization, for example, the fingers won't be pointing at you with Google Tag Manager. They'll be pointing at IT because IT got, owns the governance for the entire website. Yeah, and now now that IT hasn't been kept in the loop, they don't understand what's happened, and then they start looking into it, and they learn that it was this tool called Google Tag Manager, and this person called Simo Ahava who did these changes and broke everything. <laughs> so then they will be even more skeptical about GTM. So instead of instead of this tool really bringing people together and and helping make the marketing process more agile, it leads to mistrust. Uh, it leads to people blaming each other. It leads to all these privileges that the privileges that the marketer or or you know um, well let's call the marketers or analysts have earned through GTM. They are revoked because they broke everything. So it's it's definitely not a silver bullet, and it and it can cause more pain in the long run if you don't consider the big picture when you use Google Tag Manager. Like, what is GTM actually fixing in the organization? Yeah. It's never it's never fixing um, a deployment process. It's fi- it's 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 supposed to fix an organization. It's supposed to bring these people together using the tool and not not draw them further apart. And I'm guessing, uh, Simo, that it's, it's the usual story, isn't it? It's it comes down to communication within the organisation. Do you have to sort of try and get as many people in the organisation on side with with uh, Google Tag Manager? I've uh, over the years having worked with GTM, and now over the couple of recent years, be working in an agile um, product product and project development methodology. I've learned that everything comes down to communication. Like it's it's a cliche, but everything comes down to communication. There are the the tools we use um, in marketing and analytics, and the tools the IT and developers use. These tools are only able to communicate with each other if our people in these departments are communicating with each other as well. And this is this is sometimes referred to as Conway's law, in that um, the the IT and the and the and the kind of compute, computerized structures in organization, they only communicate with each other if the if the conver- conversation flows between people as well. Yes. So um, GTM is a prime example of Conway's Law in Motion because it can really give you a false sense of things working. Like you can you can see your code being deployed really fast, and you can you can get things done so fast, but the underlying issues of communication are never solved. So you'll actually be working with less. Than you could if you if you had a really well well oiled organization, GTM can be so much more than the sum of its parts. But so many people are are just satisfied with it fixing these little superficial issues of communication that they never think about what the actual underlying problem of the organization is. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, I know that you've got some thoughts on sort of the way we treat uh, data collections as sort of isolated silos within the organization, haven't you, Seema? Tell us about that. Yes, so that that's another one of my kind of pet peeves is is that companies hire analysts and then they hire for the role of an role of an analyst or they hire an analytics implementation specialist or something, which I think is a, is is fine in a way. I we obviously need an expert to do this stuff, but the problem is that once you hire someone into the role of an analyst, you're you're basically creating a role to whom you can delegate data. And, and it becomes very natural to kind of delegate our data problems and data collection issues and processing and reporting to this one person or one role. Mm. And the problem with this is that that's not really how data works. Data isn't something you you kind of corner off to a single agent. It's not something you can just, you know, turn into a silo. Data is something that flows through the entire organization. It's it's omnipresent in all the organizational levels. And if you're if you're used to delegating data issues to a single you know, single point in the organization, you're almost necessarily introducing so many biases into the analysis because this one person can't possibly be able to communicate reports or data or metrics or dimensions to all the different stakeholders in the organization. Mm. So we come to a point where data collection itself that's done in isolation, it just can't reflect the demands of the entire organization. Every part of the organization has different needs for data collection. You know, on a, on a CEO level, for example, we might have financial dashboards that need data coming from all sorts of different backend systems. Um, salespeople might need sales data pulled in from the CRM combined with some web analysis data. Our marketing people need the latest social media cost spend reports. Our, our content marketers need the latest engagement reports from web analysis. We have all these different needs. And if you, like I said, if you isolate all the the person who answers to these needs is one single, you know, role in the organization, they're going to have a tough time adopting to all these changes. Yeah. So we need to figure out a way of how do we create a data organization? How do we create an analytics process that involves all these different people? And like one of the solutions is it's a combination of tools and methodologies. But Google Tag Manager, for example, has 
a tendency to be very malleable to all these different demands because it has all these built-in templates for different types of data collection needs. Like it has built-in templates for social media pixels. It has built-in templates for analytics tracking. It has built-in templates for, um, or it has a custom template for collecting any type of data and pulling it to your CRM, for example. Mm. So we can use Google Tag Manager as this kind of a focal point in the technological manner. But then to help with that, like a tool alone does nothing. We we also, I firmly believe in the agile doctrine. I believe that agility is something that a well-functioning organization, digital organization, absolutely needs these days. It's it's, uh, it's, um, having the kind of waterfall mind of thinking where, where things are done in stages and batches and then deployed to the next phase or stage in the process that doesn't really work because that's not how humans work we don't we don't compartmentalize things in in discernible units we do things as they come up come up we we are very kind of random in how we behave and an mm-hmm. agile process by by definition is able to tackle this kind of random random nature and it works really nicely for analytics and I think the one of the biggest reasons we don't see it um, that much is because it's actually very, very difficult. It requires a lot of self-discipline. It requires it requires introspection. It's almost like a like an um, agile anonymous anonymous organization where there's twelve steps, and the first one is that you have to admit you have a problem. And people are very skeptical of admitting they have a problem because data is coming in. Yeah, they see reports. They have numbers, but. Almost always when you hear people being happy with their numbers, I get very skeptical. You can't be complacent with data. You have to be constantly kind of, you have to be constantly just unsatisfied. You have to have a, you have to strive for something. It's just so important to make data something that you modify all the time. Now, again, that's interesting because it alludes to sort of communication and processes within the organization. You mentioned Agile there. Just moving over a bit to kind of like more geeky stuff like code. And I know mm. that another area that you talk about, another pitfall, if you like, is kind of um, deploying code you don't understand. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's a nice, very specific problem we have with tag management solutions. So GTM, for example, has a kind of dual purpose. It's it's a user interface, which is which is very simple to use. It it has a low barrier of entry. You basically just choose a tag and and add a trigger to it and and then just it starts firing so basically you can tell a tag to fire on all pages or fire when somebody clicks a link or something mm. now the problem is that every now and then we need a custom solution we need a, a specific user interaction we want to track for example when you type something into a form field we want to fire a tag and there's no default tag template for this kind of a very special interaction so what what people tend to do is they google um google for solutions like how do you track um, form field values and then they find a solution maybe on my blog maybe on stack overflow maybe on on some other site yeah and they copy that code and they paste it into gtm and then they publish the code maybe test it a couple of times on their favorite browser now the problem is that depending on the level of javascript knowledge that these users have it things can go re- very wrong indeed and you might actually end up deploying code that is hazardous to the website and gtm GTM doesn't really have that good fail-safes. It has some malware detection things, but those are for strictly uh, like enumerated cases where they know what kind of things they're looking for. But you might, for example, accidentally publish a piece of code that has an infinite loop in it, yes. and then you end up end up completely breaking the performance of the page. And that's and that's a problem. I mean, obviously, you should be 
like my, my, my approach to this is that you must never ever deploy any code that you can't understand row by row what it does. Yes. Like that's, that's the minimum requirement. If, if you do kind of publish things that you're not really sure what they do, then you, then you run the risk of again, causing, causing problems on the website, which then cause problems in the organization, which then break down the communication. So everything is, again, comes back to communication. So if, if for example, one, one solution to this would be that instead of you can still copy paste all the code you wrote and add it to GTM, but before you publish it to the live website, um, a good communication structure and a very agile approach is to get a developer to double check it. You know, just go over the code, go do some browser stack testing, make sure it works on all the main browsers, make sure it doesn't break when when users are mobile devices, and then publish it. So have this kind of a quality assurance introduced into the process. And I know that some people are always kind of angry that they have to introduce these stages because they expect GTM to just let them do stuff. Mm. But I don't, I don't support this approach. I think it's so important to make sure that no, no hazardous broken code is ever, ever added to the site. Uh, because even if things work, there's all, there's still the fact that in JavaScript, it's not always just about like right or wrong, but there are many shades. You can, you can publish working code, but it might not be optimally written. So it might actually be a performance hog, even though it works. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that. I we I mean, us devs, we all love Stack Overflow, don't we? <laughs> and yeah. uh, and such Absolutely. Sites. But it's always. I think you always have to be very careful when you just take a load of code. You need to really get it and yes, test it thoroughly. They're very good on Stack Overflow. Actually, they normally sort of, um, you know, they're they're very happy to sort of um sort of peruse each other's code and see if it's good. But it's it's you can't beat sort of testing it yourself and putting it through your own kind of uh, quality processes i guess yeah absolutely and and the web web is kind of a web is such a difficult medium to work in because you have browsers which behave, de- behave differently you have a, a other javascript on the side which might cause conflicts so just an example i mean stack overflow may, almost always when you have a question related to javascript the answer is at least one of the answers uses this framework called jquery Yes, which is one of the most popular frameworks out there. But the problem is that not all websites actually use jQuery. It's not. It's not a given. It's it's very very popular, but it's not a not a definitely sure. So if you just copy paste jQuery code, obviously it won't work. Mm. So then then you Google how do I add jQuery to the site, and then you find a find the instructions and a library to add, and then you add the library to the site, and it turns out you added a really old version of the library, which then breaks down other code on the site or introduces a really sl- slow download process or something like this. So you you are basically, at some point, you just need to start educating yourself in JavaScript. I've, I've always said in, about Google Time Manager that there are, there are two levels of usage. First is the basic level where you deploy tags using the user interface. And the second one is is master level where you know javascript there's very little in between you you just have to start learning javascript if you want to make the most out of google tech manager i think that's a that's that's kind of a written in stone well Soma, thanks so much for coming on the show today um if you had one sort of top tip or a key takeaway for our audience today what would it be it's it's very simple it's a mantra and it's just educate yourself educate yourself educate yourself i think that's the um, gtm opens the door for so many different things you can do and it really really starts breathing life into it or you breathe life into it by learning javascript html css that's that's the kind of holy trinity of web development um gtm in the end it's silly to say it's just something but in the end it's just the vessel for javascript 
So one, once the more you know about JavaScript, the more you'll actually be able to use GTM to to um, suit all these different needs that your organization has for data collection. I think that's great advice. I think uh, JavaScript is one of the strange languages, isn't it? It's um, a lot of it is really horrible, but if you just use the good bits, it's actually quite nice. <laughs> yes, I think I think JavaScript has a due to its history. Um, from the 90s and early 2000s when it was more about like making the background color of the site blink or yes. you know oh, yeah. adding, adding this silly dynamic stuff today it's a full bone programming language i mean it's the most popular programming language in the world so that gives you something i mean yeah. um you have javascript running on airplane airplanes in their inline flight entertainment systems you have javascript in satellites you have javascripts running the most important processive processes in governments so it's 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 evolved into a full blown programming framework, and I think I think the time has passed to kind of um, belittle what JavaScript can do. It's for many, it's still just uh, kind of enhancing the website experience, but mm-hmm. it can actually be a complete full stack solution. So absolutely, I think um, I think it's very important that you don't have to learn all about JavaScript, but just the parts that work with the website, and yeah. and that will be a, that will be very good. So trying to resist the temptation to carry on talking about coding, um, how can our <laughs> listeners find out more about Usimo and, uh, and Reactor? Right. So um, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Simo Ahaba. Um, company I work for is Reactor. We have a very active Twitter account as well, and it's Reactor Now is the Twitter handle. We'll add it to the show notes. Uh, my blog is, of course, full of full of stuff for Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics with your occasional foray into digital marketing and SEO and 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 some lifestyle pieces as well um and then i'm also very active in 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 google plus from out of all places it's Mm -hmm. there's there's still some life there so we have a very active google tech manager and google analytics community there um and then one more place where you can find me is if you have any questions about google tech manager then the official product forums Um, i'm there almost daily helping people out with problems they might have with google tech manager and just to clarify some of the spellings there, so Simo um, Ahava is S I M O A H A V A, isn't it? Yes. And then Reactor Now, and the Reactors with a K, so it's R E A K T O R N O W. Reactor Now. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, thanks for our listeners for listening. The show notes are in the usual place: sitevisibility.com/slash/impodcast. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review, as mentioned at the beginning. Um, if you've got questions or suggestions, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.com. You can tweet us at sitevisibility. Uh, remember that we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. And I think that's everything. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Simo. Thank you so much. It was This was a blast. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. 
My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change.